This is a MacKillop Farm Management Group podcast. We acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the ancestral lands, Potterwich to the north, Jawajali to the east, Bowendick to the south and Mitung to the west of the Limestone Coast region. We acknowledge Elders past and present and we respect the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of Aboriginal peoples to country. Welcome to The Prosperous Farmer, a podcast telling the stories of farmers in the Limestone Coast in Western Victoria. I'm your host Sally Close and today I'm here with agricultural consultant John Francis. John works with corporate and family farms, the rural finance sector, government and industry bodies and the agricultural services sector. John is experienced in both farm business management consulting and production agriculture in agronomy. So John, we're here in Narracourt today at the MLA Meetup Forum where you spoke about approaches to livestock systems. Tell us your key messages from your presentation. I started with a story about my family cat, a snake bite, and the disharmony that we experience when making an important decision under pressure. So this story just really reinforced how different we all are in terms of our personalities, behaviours and biases. And my key messages around that decision-making component of the presentation were a good decision is a well-informed decision. Beware of your own cognitive biases and they can occur both in yourself and in others giving you information. Communicate your needs when seeking information and finally seek information to disconfirm your beliefs as that sort of helps with the critical thinking path that takes you away from quick fire responses into a more deeper way of thinking. The other part of my presentation was all about the role that livestock system design plays in delivering productivity and profitability. And so what I did there was explain that livestock systems are complex and that means that there's a lot of interactions between system components and following a recipe doesn't necessarily guarantee an outcome. So this means that simple solutions often overlook the consequence of their implementation. They can have many tentacles and if you don't think of all those consequences you can get a response that you don't expect. I went on to demonstrate how systems design influences a number of key productivity measures in a beef business. And the key messages from that systems-based discussion were, one was understand when your peak feed supply occurs, because if you do that, you've identified the point in the year where you really need to focus and utilise that feed. The second point was identify what your system looks like in terms of feed demand and that usually depends on the number and the class of livestock per month multiplied by their DSE rating at that time. And that DSE rating is just a surrogate for energy requirements or feed demands. The third point I made was now's the time to establish whether the feed supply curve matches with the feed demand um, curve and if they don't and importantly that if profitability is a goal then consider what you need to do to align those two because that's really important for driving productivity and finally understand that since systems are complex and that simplistic component based views may actually overlook the interaction that that may have implications on profitability. So it was a great presentation this morning and definitely got the farmers chatting to each other and questioning and thinking about what they're doing. As we know, farmers operate in changing market and climate conditions. When making decisions about adapting to market changes, what should producers be aware of and focus on? 
I think the starting point is by understanding your own goals. You've got to be really clear on what you want out of your business. And if your goal is solely living an easy life and you can afford to do that, then it's unlikely that a change in market conditions is going to have any impact at all. But if, on the other hand, you're highly focused on profitability and productivity, then changes in market conditions can be, uh, you know, have a huge impact on the bottom line and what you do and how you manage. I think the trick for those with a focus on productivity and profitability is to build financial literacy skills and not be complacent about the opportunities. So I gave an example of the need to drive productivity gains in the presentation, and that was that the doubling of asset values, which primarily land and livestock, in a grazing business, like we've seen over the last four years or so, without a commensurate increase in profit, leads to lower profitability. Now, this is important because profitability is a measure of financial resource efficiency. So in order to maintain profitability, you absolutely have to strive for every efficiency and productivity gain that you can. So examples of those gains are genetics, feed utilisation or capital investment to, to generate additional productivity or to offset costs. The other point to make is that things change quickly in agriculture. And in the last four years, what we've seen with that doubling of land values is also a doubling of livestock values, massive increases in fertiliser, labour and capital costs. Now, all of those changes have a different impact on profit and profitability. Knowing this means that you can continuously run those investment analysis to stay ahead of the game. So, for example, the business case or the investment case for for urea and additional livestock 18 months ago is very different to the same business case or the business case for the same investment in urea and livestock today. Continually updating and working out where those opportunities are is really the message. What information, tools or resources do you recommend that producers can access or use to help them make these decisions? Yeah, so I've been reading a great book by Annie Duke. It's titled uh, How to Decide. It gives a really practical approach to decision-making. Annie Duke's a psychologist and she won over $4 million playing professional poker. So she's really big on taking a rational approach to decision-making and and she does that by weighting probability and consequence, amongst other things. Two other really powerful insights that she's delivered to me are the importance of an outside view when assessing past decisions and to not do what she calls resulting. An outside view is just an alternate view to your own view and it's all the better if it comes from someone who looks at things completely differently to you. She really encourages an outside view and resulting is a really interesting concept. So I'll give you an example. If you think about a good decision that you've made in the last year, and I want you to do this, Sally, and don't tell me what it is, but I just want you to think about it, right? So think about a good decision. Now I want you to think about a bad decision that you've made in the last year, okay? Now I'm going to ask you a question. Did your good decision turn out well? Yes. And did your bad decision turn out poorly? I'll say yes. What you've answered or what you've responded with is not actually atypical in the world of decision-making. And what you've potentially done is actually considered the outcome of the decision, not the decision itself. And it's called resulting. So it's possible that what you've considered as a good decision 
is actually a good result, not a good decision. And what I asked you to do was think about the decision-making process. So that distinction is really important because you actually have no control over the result because the result or outcome is a function of chance. But you do have control over the decision itself, and that's the collection of information, weighting of the value of different sources of information, it's discounting anything you consider of no value, it's discussing choices with others, it's thinking about the probability and consequence of your actions. It's that decision and how you made it that's really important, but psychologically it's really hard to do in hindsight. And so we tend to default to the result rather than the decision. And I think one of the things that Annie Duke's encouraging us to do is is to actually look back on the decision and distinguish that from the result. And that's really important where we're talking about drought management and those sorts of things. A few other resources that I'm loving at the moment are podcasts all about behavioural economics and, and social psychology. And they're things like Freakonomics Radio, Hidden Brain, Choiceology... And I think they're as much about me learning about myself as they are applying to my consultancy work and assisting clients. So in terms of resources to really help decision-making, I think these are great because they take you out of the technical into the way we think. So it's not just about making the decision, it's also then about understanding how you've made that decision and then perhaps even reviewing your decision-making process and once you've made the decision, going back and going, okay, you know, what what were the steps, you know, how did it work out, what should I do differently next time in terms of how I've made the decision? Absolutely, and I don't think we do enough of that. So going back and actually reviewing that decision and distinguishing the decision-making process because what that will do is refine it for the next time and improve the probability of success. In an environment of changing climate and the need to adapt, what do you see are the drivers of profitability and the key measures of a farm's viability? Yeah, so I spoke to these in my presentation today and I'm not sure that anything's changed over time, to be perfectly honest. An important driver of profitability in a commodity livestock production business is feed utilisation. So the question is, how do you achieve that? And I really think that's all about systems design, and I spoke a lot about that today. The reason that some livestock systems don't deliver the same level of profitability of others is that they just don't allow for optimisation of the feed that you've got. So the right system delivers high levels of per hectare production across the majority of years, which in turn drives a low cost of production. It delivers high levels of labour efficiency, and it does that through simplicity and operational efficiency. It delivers a lower land value per productive unit, interestingly, and it does that by allowing more productive units to actually be managed. So that's more DSEs equal the same land value per hectare, but a lower land value per DSE. And in answer to your question about a key measure of viability, I think return on assets managed, which is a measure of whole farm profitability, is a key measure. It actually considers the financial resource efficiency, which actually speaks to that issue of the amount of resources that you've got under your control and how well you're actually using them to generate a return. But one of the things that I don't think you can ignore delivering profitability is the human element and it's the ability to implement a system and to implement the strategy that actually delivers all of those things I've spoken about so 
these people tend to act decisively when the others are kicking the clods and it's the ability to be resilient, adapt to change and if that outcome of the decision's wrong, then change quickly to still minimise the loss. And I think one of my observations about profitable livestock managers is they tend to be really quick to make decisions in drought and I think this occurs for two reasons. One is that when you manage for high levels of feed utilisation you actually run out of feed more quickly. The other reason is, and I've got no evidence for this, this is just a hunch, but decision making is a skill and skill development's dependent on the frequency of application of that skill. And so when you think about it, it actually makes sense that they get more attuned to the decision because when you're optimising feed utilisation, you're probably running closer to the, to the wire in the majority of years and that means you've got to make hard decisions about destocking or feeding with reasonable frequency and so that builds skill and decision making so droughts aren't actually foreign to those that stock optimally it's just another hard decision making exercise but if you contrast that with those that are stocked suboptimally then you know they they make those hard decisions far more infrequently so they tend not to build skill in that area and that's, in my opinion, why they tend not to make the hard decision or they, they react a little bit too slowly. So we need to practice making decisions, we need to review our decisions, and also it's actually important to actually then execute and, and implement what it is that you've decided to do. You've got to follow through and actually execute whatever your strategy is, whatever your decision is. Absolutely. I think you've just nailed it. What's your final words on adapting to market changes and setting up long-term prosperity? I think my message is don't underestimate the power of a good system. Take some time to really understand the tentacles of, of system complexity and how all those different components can impact on productivity and profitability. As an agricultural consultant, what's next for you? Well, I tend to be doing more work out of the technical and tactical advice space into the big picture strategy and, and board level decision making space. And I think that's just career evolution for me. I'm still loving what I do. I get to solve problems. I get to be engaged in really dynamic and uh, resilient industry. And I work with brilliant people who aren't only passionate about feeding the world, but they're also leaving their land in a better state. So I'm absolutely loving what I do and I can't see myself changing too much in the next little while. It's great that you're able to come to, to South Australia today. Thank you for sharing your insights into market adaptation and decision making. Today's chat was part of a project assisting farmers to adapt to variable climate and markets in the in the Limestone Coast. This project is supported by the Limestone Coast Landscape Board through funding from the Australian Government's National Land Care Program. Thanks for listening to The Prosperous Farmer, a MacKillop Farm Management Group production. You can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MacKillop Group or check out our website at mackillopgroup.com.au. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye.